Well, hey, everyone, and welcome. How are you doing? It's good to see you. You know, one campus, one church that meets in all these different locations. Can we just take a second and welcome everyone at all the different campuses? Hey, everybody over at Edgewood and Abingdon, Aberdeen, Mountain Road Online, wherever you are. Super glad you're here. Really, really glad. This is a really exciting time for our church at Mountain. And uh, one of the reasons is because we just came to kind of a commitment moment at the end of uh, a series we've been calling Unstoppable Good. And we're in that commitment window right now uh, where we've just been asking God, you know, do something really important in us so that you can also do something really important through us. And uh, God has been doing that. There's been some great stories. Last weekend, a bunch of us had opportunity to turn in commitment cards that just reflected a real stretch and a growth and a sincerity of heart and a trusting God. Some great stories uh, from all over the place, from different campuses. And I also know uh, a bunch of you were not able to turn in a car. You're, you're, your kid was sick, you're out of town, or you just don't come that often, whatever it is. Super glad that you're here because you have an opportunity today. I want to tell you, at the end of the service today, at each of our campuses and online, you can do it anytime. There's just going to be a moment where we're going to take, it, take some time. If you haven't had that opportunity, I just don't want you to miss it. Uh, I don't want you to miss out on, on what God would provide in your life through that experience. And also, frankly, we need uh, everyone to get to our stretch goal to make some of this stuff happen. So the card uh, is available online. There's a QR code. There's a, you can go to the website or there's a card just like this if you're at one of our campuses. You can just grab it right in front of you. Well, again, we'll have a time right at the end of our services for anyone who's not had a chance to participate by turning that card. We just like our prayer from the beginning has been that like 100% of us would be like all in on this and just really seriously engage with God and say, what do you want from me? And then be willing to obey that. Um, so we need to do this because the world needs Jesus so much, you guys. The world needs the hope, the power, the promise, the presence of Jesus. The world needs Jesus. And, uh, you know, we're, we're the ones who are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, aren't we? Uh, so I, I, the, the verse we've been using to summarize all of Jesus' ministry is Acts 10.38. You remember what it says by now? Acts 10.38 is like summarizes Jesus. He's going all over helping people. He's healing people. He's kicking, kicking people uh, free from the demonic possession. And it says, it just summarizes the whole thing. And it says, he went around doing good. And that's what we're called to do, isn't it, you guys? Let's go around. Let's do some capital G good. And uh, so one of the cool ways that we're celebrating that this week is that Mountain is not just uh, making disciples and trying to do good in our own neighborhoods, but we are really called to have an influence all over the world. Global Christianity is Jesus' vision for the world. One of our mottos at Mountain is this is for everyone, right? This is for everyone. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done. This is for everyone. The peace of God, the blessing and hope of God, all that is for everyone. But we can't reach everyone at Mountain. We're just one church, so we need partners. we got to team up and link arms with a bunch of other people, and that's what we're so excited about, where God just has put us in league with some great, great people, our incredible missions partners from all over uh, the world. And a lot of them have been here all week long. Every few years we have this celebration. We call it Global Impact Celebration. We invite them all back to our campus and we just have a great time. And uh, it reminds me a lot of uh, Luke 13, 29. 
Luke 13, 29 is where Jesus describes the kingdom of God. And he says it's going to be this. People are going to come from the east and the west and the north and the south. And they will take their place at the feast of the kingdom of God. Is that a beautiful vision or what? And that's really what we've got a chance to kind of experience this week as our friends have literally come from all over. In fact, on the screen right now, you're going to see a map pop up. And it's like each dot represents one of the mission partners of Mountain. That We just have some friends somewhere in the world who are doing good and making disciples. And uh, you can see that. It's pretty cool to see. Uh, and let's also welcome, as you're watching that, here comes my buddy Tom Moen, our global impact guy around Mountain. Tom, you had a great week, haven't you? That's been awesome. Look at that map. Look at that. Blast. Isn't that cool? Every one of those represents like a, a, a family or a person doing some kind of really cool, unstoppable good. And what we do every three years, uh, we take a week and invite all of our partners back. You're going to meet shortly. Just come on back and let us love on you for a little bit. Good yeah. Stuff. And so, like, this has been a great week. What are, what's been some of the stuff that we've done with these missionaries and what, what's, what's, what's it been like? Monday night, right in here, guys' night out. We were up here kicking around. Uh, yeah, they didn't know what to do with that American no, football. It's a different size ball. They're waiting for the World Cup or something. Okay. Uh, Tuesday night we had groups on all of our campuses and their people just loved hearing from these guys from all over the world. Last night was cool with the students. Uh, one of the students, four, fourth grade, he said, I'm going to come visit you when I'm in college to the people in Kenya. So <laughs> how cool is that? I already, already got a missionary recruited. Already got a missionary. So, you know, we played and we prayed and we worshiped, we learned, we laughed. And we did some training with staff, got some leadership principles. So we receive from them, they receive from us, go away blessed, and we're all edified. And encouraged I, I, it's just so awesome, guys. Good I stuff. hope you got to participate in some of it, the way that we just get a chance to pour into them, and we just learn so much from them. And uh, Tom, I know it means a lot to you. You and Amy and your family were missionaries yourself on a field in Brazil for like yeah. 11 years. I know you know firsthand how much it means just to have a relationship like that. As you think about the whole week we've been able to have together, like what's the part that like mean the most to you as you think about the group of people that are Hands down the relationships, really. It's just, yeah. it's being with these guys. Some of our friends are Brazilians. They don't speak English, but I can speak to them in Portuguese because we lived in Brazil. So it's, it's seeing them interact with each other, idea sharing. Hey, that's pretty cool. Tell me more about that. And then them talking to us, our staff did it. We had a, had a lunch together with our staff and celebrated Thanksgiving opportunities. Just, just being a part of the body of Christ and the staff that is here at Mountain Christian Church. So I tell you, one thing, though, that stands out above all things is these guys are just ordinary people, mm. but they serve an extraordinary God mm. to do unstoppable good. That's it. I love that. Hey, let's say that together, guys. Put it on the screen. Let's say it together. Ready, everybody? All, uh, all of our campuses at home, ordinary, ordinary people, people serving ordinary, an extraordinary God do unstoppable, unstoppable good. Good. That is a statement of faith. It's a declaration of truth. And it's all through the Bible. Like that's, the, that's exactly and only the way God wants to do things. So like Abraham was just right. an ordinary guy. Yeah. He's an old man. And God says, I want to call you. He becomes the father of nations to, to bless the whole world. Moses is an old convict hiding in the <laughs> desert with a stick in his hand. And God says, I want to use you. And he becomes like an unstoppable leader. Even Pharaoh can't stop him, right? It's amazing. Um, you know, uh, think of David, little shepherd boy. Nothing in his hand but a slingshot. He's just the runt of the family. And God says, you're going to be this great king and lead my people. Mary was just a teenage, ordinary girl, becomes right, the faithful. father of Christ. And the, and the disciples were all, what, ordinary fishermen mostly. And it's just a remarkable story all the way through scripture. So we want, we want in this uh, time that we have together for worship today, we wanted you to meet some other very ordinary people through whom an extraordinary God is doing unstoppable good, not just here at Mountain, but all over the world. And the first ones we want you to meet are going to be names, when I say them, 
A lot of you people who've been around Mountain for any time at all are going to say, oh, I know them already and love them because you're so glad to have them back. And their names are Mary and Wallace Kamau uh, from Missions of Hope in Kenya. So just to help you understand a little bit about them, give you a little quick video introduction. Despite the complex magnitude of spiritual and physical poverty found here, we know that there is a solution. The answer is Jesus, and that is why there is hope. In the early 1990s, Mary Kamau, a recent college graduate, visited the Madhari Valley, one of Nairobi, Kenya's oldest slums. What she saw transformed her life forever. Mary had never seen such extreme poverty. She couldn't understand why people could live in such unhealthy and dangerous conditions. But what shocked her even more was that it seemed that no one was stepping in to help. In that moment, the Holy Spirit called her to what would become her lifelong work. Mary, along with her husband Wallace, quickly realized that as much as the people of Madare Valley were hungry for the hope of Christ, they also needed a way to meet their most basic needs. Wallace and Mary were joined by like-minded Christians and the local community to begin building what was later to be known as Missions of Hope International, opening their first Christian school for 50 kindergarten students in the year 2000. Over the years, God has blessed the ministry with rapid growth through partnerships with churches and supporters worldwide. Missions of Hope International, or MOHI, has grown from an individual calling to a global ministry. Now Mohi serves over 25,000 children and their families in over 30 communities amongst the urban poor and rural villages. God is using Mohi to provide empowerment opportunities and transform lives through the hope of Christ. Today, Mohi provides a wide variety of programs that seek to educate, empower, restore, and redeem whole communities for Christ, creating hope, not only for today, but for eternity. That last one's such a cutie. Can we welcome our friends, yeah. Wallace and Mary Kamau? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Certainly no strangers to Mountain. Uh, welcome back. We just love having you guys here. And welcome, welcome back to Mountain. Yeah, we are so to be here, and uh, it always feels like uh, we are coming back home. Yeah, you are home. Welcome home. Yes, Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, we, um, we got to see the video, uh, Mary, she's grabbing the mic, she wants to say something. Welcome, Mary. Well, I was going to say thank you so much for welcoming us here. We are really excited. Yeah. We're excited to have you guys. Um, you'll learn, a, if you're just learning to meet these people, you'll learn a little why they're so special to us, along with these other mission partners in just a little bit. Mary, the video did a great job of kind of describing uh, a little bit about the background of um, Missions of Hope and how it came to be, but it's such a remarkable story, and it really starts with an ordinary college kid named Mary. You might be the best one to tell us a little bit about that, but just unpack that a little more for us. What, what happened in your life, and how did this really start? I mean, there wasn't anything like this that we have now, but it started how, and what, what happened? I was born in a polygamous family. My dad had two wives. And I'm the seventh born of a total of 20 children. And so growing up, I thought I was one of the most disadvantaged people in the whole world because we didn't have much resources. And so I knew the only way out of that situation was to get a good education, go to university, 
find a job, hope, hopefully in a bank, and work with money and not be poor. And so I made it to Kenyatta University, and as a first-year student, I accepted Jesus. Then I joined a group that would go to different places to evangelize and to do missions. And during one of those times, I met somebody who told me about Madare Valley slums. I had never heard about the slums. I had never known or even imagined that in my own country there was such a place that existed. And so when I went to this place one Saturday morning, that was the turning point of my life. I saw the children suffering, I saw the people that were suffering, and I knew that I wanted to do something about it. I wondered why the government would allow people to live like that. Why weren't Christians doing something about it? And the more I asked these questions, the more I felt God laying it on my heart to do something about it. Later on, I met my husband Wallace in a prayer meeting, and after we were married and with the two children, God led us to start a hope center with 50 kids. And so in the year 2000, we started the first hope center, boys and girls age four to six. And fast forward, later God connected us to Mountain through uh, Pastor Ben and Tom. As they came and visited us, we had about 200 children by this time, because so many people wanted to bring their children to our center, to our school, so that they can receive a quality Christian education. And so when Ben and Tom visited us, we shared with them about the needs that were there in this community. And I can tell you, God has just blessed our ministry since that time you visited, both of you. And God has used them to connect us to sponsors, but also to many, many churches that are partnering with us today. Yeah, it was such a, to kind of give that same story then from our perspective, this ordinary girl that marries this ordinary guy, and then the next thing you know, you invite all these kids in your house, and then you find some property. <laughs> when we met them, it was about 2006? Yeah, 2006, yeah. Um, it had already grown remarkably, we thought, to like 200 children. And um, Tom and I, what was going on at Mountain is... That's me on the left. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that was not what that's from. <laughs> um, what, what Tom and I were uh, sent uh, really from the church, well, actually, back up a little bit. Mountain decided in 2006 that we were going to just really try to do something new for missions. We'd always been a missions church, but we felt really convicted to do something about poverty in Africa. So, Tom, you were on the mission field at the time. Yep. And we, uh, you, God was, what was God doing there? Yeah, I tell you, we were, we were just working in Brazil, but God called us, said, hey, why don't you come back to your home country? Our kids were all Brazilian, kind of by nature, and we came back to the U.S. 2006 and joined the, the mission outpost right here at Mountain. So Tom unpacked his suitcases at Mountain. We said, pack them back up again, because they <laughs> sent Tom and I on a trip to Africa to try to find the mission partner that we would really latch on to. And honestly, that was a pretty discouraging trip. We, we visited some wonderful people and saw some great things, but honestly, we were almost ready to come home, and we, we didn't feel good about anybody that we'd really met. We didn't know what to tell everyone when we got back home, frankly. And um, it was like everyone, either, there wasn't enough impact but it wasn't enough Jesus, you know? And it was like, gosh, what are we going to do? And there's, oh, there's one last stop you're supposed to make. We're supposed to go to meet these two people. Who are they again? Oh, Wallace and Mary Kamau. 
And that's when we went to Nairobi and into the slums of uh, Nairobi. And your ex our experience was very much as you experienced, Mary, when we saw it. Tom, you remember that? Yeah, oh, sure. I mean, the places we went, there was a lot of kids, frankly, in the, in the slums and in the cities. We saw lots of kids and lots of children. We just didn't see kind of the, the place that they would go to find that health and to find that hope and to, to find an education, to take care of their family and their community. Then we went to Missions of Hope in the, in, in the Mathai Valley, and we saw, we actually saw kind of a, of, of a difference, the kids that were on the street and the kids that were under you all's care. It was just a marked difference. It was like they've gone from death to life. They'd gone from, from night to day. They'd gone from despair to hope. So we came to that conclusion, you know, just seeing that and seeing the, 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 the difference between the two, we thought, you know, this Missions of Hope could very well be the partners that we're looking for. And, you remember the are. moment that sealed it for us, Mary, was when, uh, Wallace, I don't think you were there at that moment. We're getting ready to leave. We're saying our goodbyes, really, and we're just like, wow, yes. we're going to do something with you guys. And then um, Mary gets out this book, pulls this, she's in her little ramshackle office you had back then, and... And uh, she pulls out this book and starts leafing through this book. It's like a big book like this, and it's like just full of writing, page after page after page. I said, Mary, what is that? What did you say? It was our waiting list, children, boys and girls that were waiting that one day, hopefully, they can get to our school. Yeah, that, that really gripped us. And um, sure did. I just said, I know the heart of the mountain people. What if we could help sponsor some of these children to get them into your school. How many could you take care of? What did you say? All of them. <laughs> All of these like children. The whole book. The whole book. <laughs> so, Tom, what happened? We came, we came back to Mountain. What happened? Yeah, we came back and we thought, okay, maybe we'd sponsor a couple hundred or whatever. So this is a great We got 700 kids sponsored that first weekend right out the gate. Took care of that whole book in one fell swoop. Boom. And so that really, uh, that was when all of a sudden Missions of Hope is, is not 50 kids in your house. It's not the 200 you had. It's like all of a sudden almost 1,000. And then it grew from there, didn't it? Yeah, because, uh, you know, Mountain, you know, you all sponsored all these children. And then Ben started also talking to his friends, pastor's friends, who are leading other churches. And all these pastors came on vision trips and they also went back and found sponsors for us. Yeah. And over the years, I mean, over the years, thousands and thousands of children are being supported. And How many today? What's the number education. today, Mary? When we left about two weeks ago, it was 24,679 children. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Wallace. You're on an elevator, you got about 10 floors to answer, well, what is it that Missions of Hope really does? Today, as it's grown, what are, give us the elevator speech for what does Missions of Hope do? Yeah, I, I thank God for the growth that we have experienced over the time. And, um, and it's not just been in numbers, but uh, God has entrusted to us a holistic model of ministry because these children give us access to their families and we are able to work with these families to empower them holistically. And um, as we offer holistic education to the children, we are also able to empower the families through economic uh, empowerment, uh, through microfinance loans, but also skills training. And uh, we also offer health uh, services uh, mainly preventive education, but also curative services. And uh, as we do that, we intentionally evangelize and 
we are able to plant churches. And to date, we have planted 34 churches because we are partnering with more than one church planting organization. And where is this going? Right now, we've seen what God has done so far. What's the vision for the future? Uh, with this growth, we feel that God has entrusted to us a scalable model. And uh, we feel obligated uh, to steward this model so that we can be able to replicate it to multiple locations. And so we are believing God that in the next 10 years, we should be able to be in 100 locations where we have 100 schools, 100 churches, and with an enrollment of 100,000 children plus. And uh, we are also believing God to be in 10 countries. Uh, as a matter of fact, we are now in Liberia in West Africa, and we believe that that is the beginning of entering into new countries. Yeah, praise God. Love it. There's so much more we could talk about and share, um, but I, I, you know, I guess the thing that strikes my heart today is that it started with a college kid, just an ordinary girl, who just believed, was dumb enough to believe in an ordinary, extraordinary God and say, I'm in it for good, and, and it's been a mission that has had some obstacles, but it's, 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 it's unstoppable. It really is, and so I, I'm believing with you, and we're with you every step. We're part of that dream that you have for that 100,000 and, and beyond. It, it, it's just the same mantra, isn't it? It Tom? is. And one more time, ordinary people, extraordinary God, yep. unstoppable good. We can't leave this discussion there it is. Uh, before, without talking about the camp because Mountain loves this going on with the camp. And uh, uh, Tom and I both love camp. We grew up at the same camp in Minnesota. And that's where we had some huge spiritual moments, right, Tom, Big back time, in the day? Yeah. That's really where I saw God kind of come alive for the first time, heard his voice just poignantly uh, through all the stuff that I was doing at this week of camp. It was just an awesome experience. Yeah, I got baptized there at that camp. Back when you had hair. Back when I had hair, yeah, that's right. 16-year-old kid. And, uh, and same, same with me. I was actually baptized in the same lake and gave my life to ministry. So when we heard that, yeah, there you go. There, there you it go. is. There we yeah. are. That, yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy. That's me with the unibrow there. Wow. When we heard that you all were going to start a camp, we got so excited because we used that strategy at Mountain. It's like so much can happen. Tell us about Angaza Camp and, and how it's going. Wow. By God's grace, we have been able to start a camp. It is right uh, on the beach, uh, Indian Ocean, in uh, Kilifi County. Our kids go from our schools. We are now in 32 locations from across Kenya, you know, northwestern Kenya, uh, northeastern side, north, you know, everywhere. And our sixth grade students go for two weeks to Angaza camp, and the purpose for them going is so that they can establish uh, a good relationship with Jesus and deepen their relationship with Jesus, but also make friends with one another and also learn about creation care. And it is amazing because they go using the train from Nairobi, then they, they are bussed out from the train station to the camp, and they spend two good weeks with each other. And we have some of our alumni working as the mentors. Here in the US, you call them counselors, yeah. but we call them mentors. And these mentors are children that we have brought up and mentored, and now they are mentoring others in the camp. And uh, all the sixth graders are able to have this experience. And it is so wonderful what God is doing through the camp. 
And we, we are thankful to Mountain for being part of this blessing. On Gaza camp, you all helped make that happen. Uh, Tom and I have got a chance to see it, and it's just, yep. it is absolutely amazing. And so the most exciting part, Tom, you mentioned when you gave your life to Christ, you were actually not a 6th grader, you were a 10th grader. Exactly, I was 10th grader, yep. We're so excited, as you will know, Unstoppable Good is going to help us not just provide this experience for 6th grade children, but for 10th grade. Tell us what's next for the, for the camp, uh, Wallace. Yeah, we are so excited because of the success of the Angaza camp for 6th grade. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, in 10th grade, it, it just happens to be unique. It's a unique age at which young people make important decisions. Yes. Uh, uh, but this is also a time when they go through the crisis of identity. But uh, if they can have a place where they can have mentors, uh, we can be able to deepen their relationship with God. Yeah. And there could not be a better way to make the right decisions than when they deepen their relationship with God. And so we are so excited about uh, having another camp. It will be right next to the Angaza camp. And we already have uh, land ready for the camp. And so we are just looking forward to uh, building the camp so that uh, these sixth graders can look forward to getting another opportunity uh, to go to camp. But more than that, we are going to increase the success rate of our children and ensure safe landing as they finish high school. That's exactly right. I tell you, that's why Unstoppable Good is so important, you guys. And I'm super excited. We're going to say, we want to do, we want to realize the vision that Wallace just talked about so we can help build that camp. And I, because I, I just, like, I accepted Christ in 10th grade. I was so excited to see what the 10th graders, what God's going to do in the 10th graders' lives at that camp. So that's why we, we want to be in this thing with you guys. We're so grateful for just a few minutes to chat with you. We want to introduce them to another friend uh, from Mountain who would describe herself as an ordinary person, but she uh, had a passion and some skills, and she figured out how God could use that in, for good through Missions of Hope. And her name is Jill Shuck. A lot of you know Jill. Give her a big round of applause and welcome our friend Jill Shuck. If we were in Kenya at a worship service right now, I would greet you by saying Buana Asafiwe, which Amen. means praise the Lord. As I was preparing to share this story, I decided to bring along this very simple wooden spoon. It might look ordinary to you, but not to me. I got it while I was on a mission trip to Kenya. And of course, you can use it to stir things, but it also reminds me that if you think about it, God is like a master at stirring things together in a way that results in something far better than we could have created on our own. And a few years ago, it was as though God stirred things up in my life in a way that I never would have imagined. And I wonder what he might be stirring in you as we all have recently been asking ourselves the question, are you in it for good? My family has had a connection with Missions of Hope through child sponsorship for many years. And I knew that one day I wanted to go on a mission trip to Kenya, and I first did that in 2016. And then I went back in 2018, and then again in 2019. It was a very powerful experience to see the great work that God is doing there. And on that trip in 2019, it was as though God literally picked up that spoon and began to stir things in my life. I can picture that day. I was with a team of women from Mountain and some Missions of Hope staff members, including my friend, Mary Kamau. 
Well, and as is often the case with ladies, there were a lot of different conversations going on in our midst. But I happened to overhear Mary mention that the Missions of Hope Skills Center wanted to start a baking skills training class. Now the Skills Center is a place where adults can go and pursue training in areas like sewing and plumbing and so much more where they can learn tangible skills and then that helps them to be able to take next steps and find a job or start a business. I'd heard Mary say not only that Missions of Hope wanted to start the baking class, but that they specifically needed someone to partner with them and help this dream to move forward. And in that moment, I felt like God literally took a hold of me and looked me in the eye and said, Jill, are you listening? Will you be bold and speak up? You didn't know it, but for years, I have been preparing you exactly for this. What I haven't shared with you yet and what Mary did not know at the time is that I had begun a small baking business a few years earlier called The Country Cookie. And after being encouraged by others to turn my baking passion into a business, I had finally decided to give it a try and was learning a lot through that process. So what if God was now calling me to share something as simple as a passion for baking with Missions of Hope? Could I really use that for good? Well, I had that heart beating, mind racing kind of feeling, but I knew without a doubt that God wanted me to speak up and talk to Mary. And so I told her about my background in baking and my interest in learning more about God's dream for the baking class. And the next thing I knew, Mary invited me to help develop a proposal and think through the many different details. Mary and I were excited about this new partnership and we really felt that this dream had come from God and was for God. I had no idea that all of this would happen on that mission trip, but God knew. Plans and details came together and the program was officially launched in February of 2020. The classroom now is a very bustling environment where students are being trained in baking and culinary and hospitality skills. God then continued to stir things inside of me by asking if I would trust him enough to donate the profits from my very simple little baking business to the ongoing growth of this program and since saying yes to that, the business has grown more than I'd have dared to think was possible. Now, my hands may be busy making cookies, but I know that it is really God's hands and not mine that could do something like that. And I am humbled by what he is doing. So I head back to Kenya about two or three times a year to share new recipes, connect with students and instructors, and dream with the staff about the future. He is a big God, so why wouldn't we dream of big plans? When I bake for my customers, I share with them about missions of hope. And so they know that the baking is about so much more than a simple cookie. It's also about the joy on students' faces as they learn new skills, take pride in what they are doing, and feel hopeful about their future. It is about the unstoppable good that God can do through ordinary people like you and me. And who knows what it is that God may be preparing you for right now. So whether we are halfway around the world or right in our neighborhood, we can live knowing that we are always on mission. Be open to what God is stirring inside of you. Dare to be willing, speak up, 
And when you choose to be in it for good, let's see what God will stir up and create in and through you. Hey, leave the cookie. Leave the cookie. Hey, but think about it. Think about it for a second. You know, Moses, we talked about Moses earlier, and God, ordinary Moses, and God comes and says, Moses, what's that in your hand? And he says, well, it's a staff. So we asked Joe Shuck, what's that in your hand? A wooden spoon. Who knew? Who knew the kinds of things that ordinary Joe Shuck would go to do under the care and watchful eye of the extraordinary God to do unstoppable good over there? So one more time again, ordinary person, extraordinary God, unstoppable oh, good. Good, man. Thank Great you, Jill, so Thanks, much. Jill. That's awesome. Wow. That was so fun. We want you to meet somebody else, another mountain gal, uh, ordinary person, and she will tell you that herself, and she's going to do so right now on video. Check this out. Hi, everyone. I'm Debbie, and I first learned of Missions of Hope back in 2007. It was when our pastors first introduced this ministry to our church. Um, I was just a girl sitting in the pew um, on the Sunday service, and I heard about this ministry, and I saw this video that introduced us to the Mathari Valley, and the images that I saw, um, well, it changed my life pretty much forever. Um, I saw these kids living in the streets in extreme poverty. I'd never seen anything like that. And from the moment I saw it and God put it in front of me, I knew that I was responsible to care for the kids in this community. So I started sponsoring kids. That was my first step. My next step was to take a trip, although it took me many years to get on a trip. Um, I had all the excuses that many of you may even have. How am I gonna fundraise? Um, am I good enough to go on a trip? I don't know enough about the Bible. I have kids at home, I have a job. I don't want vaccinations. Uh, it's a long plane ride. I had all of those excuses, but finally God got me on a trip. I took the courage, that step of faith. And what I'm gonna say to you is what I eventually said to myself is, you won't regret going on a trip. No one regrets going, but you could regret if you get that nudge and you stay home. So I encourage you to come. So my first trip was in 2012, and uh, I keep coming over and over and over every year that I can. My favorite part of this ministry is the child sponsorship program. So kids here in the Mathari Valley, they feel forgotten. They feel forgotten by everyone. And when you choose their card and you choose them, they start to believe that they're not forgotten because someone that doesn't even know them selected them. And then they begin to believe that God could actually love them as well. And so the child sponsorship program is amazing. I love to come here and interact with kids and encourage them and love on them. And I love to meet my sponsored kids. I now work for Missions of Hope. I'm actually a part of their U.S. office. And I have a chance to do this now every day as a part of my life and a part of my ministry. So please come. There's a place for everyone here at Mohi. Uh, take that step of, step of faith. And I promise you won't regret it. There it is again, yeah. right, Tom? Ordinary person, <laughs> extraordinary God, unstoppable good, right there. Yeah, I, I love those stories, and I, I love it especially. Some of our go trips have been particularly places um, where people have really felt like God has tapped me and stretched me to do, and we've talked a lot about stretching and sacrificing in recent weeks here, and a go trip at Mountain is one of those ways. And we, Tom, you took a trip this last summer yeah. to Missions of Hope, and we took several trips, but yep. you went to Missions of Hope as well. Yep, 16 of us went, first half of July, worked with those wonderful kids that we're seeing on the screen, just had a blast. I actually lost 10 pounds on that trip. So much jumping. Well, now we'll have people signing things. up like crazy. Yeah, I gotta eat more cookies. Uh, it really changes those kids, doesn't it? And it changes our people when we go. Yeah. We had a couple of young people who went on the trip and had a lot to say about it. We wanted you to hear a little bit of that. Listen to Jake and Wisdom now. I'm Jake. Uh, I go to Calvert Hall. Uh, I'm 17. I'm Wisdom. I go to Howard University and I'm 17. And we went to Kenya. 
I like that. That was pretty good. That was, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I got a I got a text from from Sean, one of the, one of the student pastors, and uh, he uh, he just kind of reached out, and it was really just uh, surface level, like, hey, uh, there's this trip to Kenya, and we're looking for students to go. I had just come back from a service trip uh, through my school, and I was like, this sounds awesome, and. Almost immediately, I was like, yeah, that's that's God uh, kind of telling me to you should go on this, you know, and I, I talked to people about it, like my parents, uh, teachers, mentors, all that kind of stuff. I, I pretty much had my mind made up within the first two minutes, however much that might like freak my parents out. Um, and their decision didn't really matter at all. <laughs> I, I was going, uh, whether, whether they were cool with it or not, but I'm really glad that they were. Yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty much set from the, from the beginning. How about you? Um, so I was presented with the opportunity um, and I, I wasn't really sure about going at first because I was like, who am I? Like, who am I for God to use me in Kenya? And then on top of that, my age, like, I felt like I just wasn't matured enough in my faith to take that big step to be an instrument for him to use me over there. But I prayed on it and he just reminded me of things like Jeremiah. So it really made it really plain that, okay, this is God, this is where God wants me to be, so this is where I should be. I was struggling in my faith, like I just felt really far from God. And I had a beautiful realization about how I didn't feel qualified to be in Kenya, but when I got there, I'm working with kids. My career path for school was working with children. I'm already certified to work with kids. I was quite literally qualified to go in Kenya and serve, but I just thought I just wasn't okay for it. God is so intentional, he'll prepare you years in advance for something he has waiting just for you. If you're thinking about going on a trip, I'll tell you what I was told. Say yes until God says no. It's a lot harder than those words make it sound uh, to just kind of go along uh, with something uh, until God blocks your path or what you think might be the right way to go. It's very important to trust in God. If God wants you to go on a mission trip, then by all means, go, run, don't walk, go, rush there. Because it's so much he has in store for you. I, it's really important not to miss out on your blessing because you're lacking trust or you're scared. It's very important to follow where God leads you because he'll lead you to the unimaginable. couple of great kids right there, yeah. So, so what about you? We've heard some great stories from other people who, are, who would say, I was just an ordinary person, I connected uh, my life with an extraordinary God, and he's done some unstoppable good, but what about you? Let's, let's try to just bring it home and, and uh, talk about some really practical ways that every single one of us can engage with God. And there's lots of ways. We're just going to mention a few to, to sort of sample and get us started. But, I mean, there's something that every one of us can do, and that is live your whole life on mission. We talk about this all the time at Mountain. But, but if you are a person who said yes to Jesus, guess what? You're a missionary. One of the dots on the maps is your house, your neighborhood, place where you work. And if right? you noticed, one of those is right over Hartford County because this is our mission field. You, right. you know, it's sometimes easy to look at these guys and kind of put them up on a pedestal, these missionary types. Well, they're ordinary people like the rest of us serving that extraordinary God. So that's us. 
We have a mission, too, to accomplish wherever God puts us, the ball field, the, the neighborhood, the cubicle at work, wherever it is, you and I are on mission just like they are. Yeah. There's a card that if you're at one of our campuses, I think you should have in your hand by now. Grab that. It's got some ideas on it on the back. And if you're watching online, there's a QR code and a way to click on that so you can see. But it's just got practical ideas. So, for example, how can you live your life on mission? Well, one way is... Is in, in addition to all the examples Tom gave, we have this thing called Second Saturday Serve. Every second Saturday, just grab some friends or come by yourself and meet some people and go serve in the community. It tells all about when and how to do that. That's not the only thing that we can do. You can also sponsor a child in lots of different places around the world for about two or three trips to Chick-fil-A uh, a month. Right. You, uh, for the price of that, uh, you, you can sponsor uh, a child for about $38 a month and, and make a tremendous impact in your life. You could do that even today. Exactly. Right out those doors, the kids are there, they're waiting for you. I, by the way, speaking of Second Saturday Serve, someone came to me and said, which Saturday of the month is the is Second Saturday Serve? Yeah. I didn't answer. Those I just are, let them figure it out. Those mountain people are <laughs> bright folk. Another thing we can do, because the kids over there in Kenya, what about the kids right here in our own community? Backpack blessings. A perfect way to bless a family through their children and getting them some, some nutrition for them to take care of their needs throughout the week, but also over the weekend. All the information is right on the card. Yeah, puts food in backpacks for kids right down the street, and there's a way you can do that. We do a ton of that. Maybe you should be part of that. Well, and then the other thing we talked about was this idea of a go trip, which I think for a lot of people in this church has been, Tom, it's been one of the most catalytic things in their life when they finally oh, said yes and went to one of the places that we have a partner, and it's just been a life-changing trip. We have some trips coming up. Yeah, we do. And that's why I love Debbie's story that we saw. You know, she did, she just, don't, you'll regret not going if you don't. We have some trips already set for Kenya, trips for Brazil, probably going to go to other places like Italy and Mexico and Romania and Tanzania. And by the way, we're going to do disaster relief trips next year, a whole bunch of those. Our friends in Florida and in other places, and as other disasters come along, we want to get on the bus, get on the plane, and get over it and help people out. Sure. Yep, so if that's you, there's informational meetings at every campus, and get to one of those, and we'll help you make that decision. We'll give you information to help you know if it's really the right next step for you. So, all right, you figure it out. What you're going to do, ordinary person, <laughs> to just serve an extraordinary God. And I can count, I can just guarantee you it's going to be something that will be way beyond your own means and ability. It's just a beautiful way that, that uh, God does for us. It's unstoppable. So let's, uh, let's, let's bring our, our time now to a time where we get to share together uh, around the Lord's table, a time of thanksgiving and a time of communion together. Um, it's a beautiful weekend to do that, Tom, because really we've is. had all yep. these missionaries from all over the place come. It reminds me of that passage where Jesus says in Luke 13, 29, I'll put it on the screen again, People, he pictures the kingdom of God one day. He says, you know what it's going to be like? People will come from the east and the west and the north and the south. What was happening is people were asking Jesus, who's going to get in? Who's going to go to heaven? Does everyone get in? And Jesus actually says in Luke 13, he says, well, it's, the door is narrower than some think it's going to be. Because some think that they're already just fine and they don't need God and they're just going to march right in. But the only question that's going to matter on that day is, you know, did you know me? Did I know you? That's the only question that's going to matter. So anyone who's hungry for God and is in need of his grace and wants it and reaches out for him, Jesus will meet us. And for that person, there is a place at the table. And in fact, there's an intended place for every single person. The table, Jesus would say, is for everyone. It really is. 
all who are not just insiders, but the outliers and the far away and the people who've really messed up, the low-lifers and everybody. Can you picture that day, that feast? There's a big feast, big long table, I don't know, big feast yeah, hall. Awesome. And you show up and the maitre d' meets you at the door. Name, please. And you're just like, oh, Mrs. Nobody, Mr. Mr. I'm not important, Mr. Ordinary. Oh, well, where are you from? Not, I'm from way far away from God. I've not, I've not done this super well. Oh, well, do you have a reservation? The only thing you have to say is, well, Jesus said I could come. Oh, you're with Jesus. Come right in. Jesus steps over like, yeah, that one's with me. And then you get ushered in and all the heads in the hall turn. And they're laughing and there's hugging and it's loud raucous. There's great food. And they look and smile at you and welcome you in and take you right to your place at the table. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture. And it's one long table and it's finally everyone together. There's no Democrat table and Republican section. There's no blacks and whites and Latinos. There's no kids table anymore. And no grown-up table over here. No like escargot people over here and the Bob Evans folk over here. It's like everyone, north, south, east, west, gathered together for the great feast. And that is a picture not only of heaven, it's a picture of what the church is supposed to look like right here, right now. And there is no place that we resemble that more than when we just come humble and hungry before God and cry out to him as people, sinners in need of grace, and we come to this table together as one. Not just us, but our brothers and sisters all around the world with a piece of bread, universal bread that says this is Jesus who died for us and the cup that says his blood was shed for us and everyone who trusts in that name, there's a place at the table. Tom, let's pray as we get ready to just celebrate. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're welcome. If you, if you don't, if it's all new to you and it's just strange, just use the time to worship and pray and just listen for God. Tom, let's pray. Let's pray together. God, we've, we've even driven here tonight from north, south, east, and west to come to this place, to come to this time, to come to this moment around your table, that your invitation. But we know there are people far away from north, south, east, and west. Don't even know they have an invitation yet. So we want to go and help, help them to see and to know you and to come and, and, and join us at the table. So thank you for inviting us, Lord Jesus, to your table where your flesh and your blood brings us redemption and freedom. So right now we pray as we commune together as brothers and sisters in Christ. This will be an opportunity for us to, to look around and, and, and see us as a family right here and right now, but then to get up and go out and help those far from you to the east and to the west, to the north and the south, and draw them close to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
<laughs> Friends, we said you'd have a chance to, uh, to meet our missionaries, and so we want to introduce them to you right now. And let's start right down here with our friends who are actually not from the other side of the world, but right here, mountain people in the local area. FCA is a huge partner of ours, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. This is Steve and Devin Mettinger. Tim and Rachel Shields, they plant churches in places all over the world where they speak the language of Portuguese. So I get the, the joy of working together with these guys. And this is... Aaron and Diane Lincoln, they're from Britain. <laughs> this, is, this is Curtis and Nick from Arizona. They work with the Apache Youth Ministry. They're on the res, as they would say, just reaching out to the Apache kids on their reservation. Christian Dominican Evangelistic Mission, led by Alberto Rivas, which is my brother-in-law. And this is his daughter, my niece, Abigail Rivas, who's here representing that mission in the Dominican. And all the way from Italy, Andrea Gentile, who does not like pizza here in the United States, because nothing to do with what the pizza's like in Italy. But plant churches in just outside of Rome, Italy. Super unique ministry that I appreciate so much. Kimberly and Dan Drage and their two daughters are with us all week in Scotland. These guys are, these are mountain folks, uh, been around for years. The Meisters, just said they have two kids that are over there in the nursery right now, Jeff and Megan, and they serve in Birmingham, England, reaching out with the goodness of Jesus. This bearded wonder looks familiar to a lot of you because he was a mountain guy for a long time along with his wife, Jerry Baker. They now reside in Indianapolis, but they help lead a ministry in Romania and Tanzania called Remember the Children, great partner and friends of ours. Now probably my favorite people that are up here, these four right here, because they're from Brazil. This is Carlos, Miriam, Fatima, and Tarcisio. We had the joy of working with them last July as well after the Kenya trip. They serve and work in Brazil. They reach out to at-risk kids, and they plant churches all over that beautiful country. One of our biggest mission partners all over the world is CMF, Christian Missionary Fellowship. And my old friend, Greg Coley, we go way, way back, but he works for CMF now based out of Indianapolis, but missionaries all over the world. We love CMF. John Suncook, medical missions. He's a nurse up in the Maasai Mara. We, we look out our, our, our window, we see some squirrels or maybe a, a rabbit. He looks out, he sees lions, giraffe, Tigers, rhinoceros. Bears, oh That's the things that are out there. He's out in the bush helping people see Jesus through all the medical stuff that they do. Campus ministry is so strategic because you're catching students before they spread all over the world. You're leading them to Christ and some of them will be Mary Kamau's. That's happening in Puebla, Mexico as a campus ministry through something called El Pozo. And this whole gang of people, Belin and John and Courtney and Skyler are all part of that campus ministry. Did you say there. El Bozo? No, Pozo. Pozo. <laughs> Sorry. I wasn't well, talking to you. These guys, no more introduction to Wallace and Mary. We love you guys. Super, super thankful that you're here. Look forward to seeing you again and again and again. And last but certainly not least, Bill Warren is from FAME, Fellowship uh, Association of Medical what? Evangelism. Evangelism. And a lot of our medical partners will, will partner with FAME and do amazing work all over the world. And uh, this, my friends, are, is an amazing group of missionaries. I want to say something to you. These guys are ordinary, okay, but they're also very special. They're, they're deserving of great honor and appreciation and admiration. Let it inspire you to be the best disciple you could be. But don't be fooled. They're just ordinary people who've said, I'm all in it for good. And God said, I can use that. And off they go. And they're doing their thing. And to you, we want to say, we really do love and admire you. We lift you up. And we think you're wonderful. And we pray for you. And we want you to feel like we're with you, the whole Mountain family at all of our campuses. And when it's hard, as it is sometimes hard, and when it is lonely, as it is sometimes lonely, and when it is frustrating, as it inevitably will be, remember that we're here, we're with you, we're for you, not just in our checks, but our hearts and our love, 
our belief that you're in where exactly you're supposed to be until God moves you somewhere else. May God bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and give you his peace. Tom, pray for our friends, will you? God, thank you for the chance to be here tonight. Though we've driven from east and west and north and south to get to this place, these folks have flown in and they've come on a train and on a bus and they're here today to say to us, hey, we're ordinary people, but we serve an extraordinary God. And we want to continue to do unstoppable good. We link arms with them even as they're up here. We say, yes, we are on mission together with you. Bless our friends as, we, the, as the week wraps up. Give them travel mercies on the way back. Help us to continue to pray for them. And help them to re remind them that they have, a, they have an outpost right here that loves them and is mm. praying for them and is caring for them. Yeah. So thank you till the, till the day we meet them again in their backyards. Thank you for bringing them to ours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. People, remember this. Ordinary people, say it with me. Ordinary people. Extraordinary God, God. Unstoppable, unstoppable good. good. Let's show these people what a mountain applause looks like, you hey. guys. Pretty cool, pretty cool moment there. Uh, want, to, want to just say again, uh, we said at the beginning of the service, as many of you have had a chance to turn in your commitment cards, some of you have not. Hate for you to miss that. So this is your moment right now. We're going to end with some worship together. And uh, as we sing this next song, just remain seated. And if you haven't had a chance to turn in that commitment card, use the next few minutes just to pray and listen to God. And as you've heard these stirring stories of what others have done, just ask God, what are you calling me to do? Fill out that card. What you write on that card matters, you guys. And then in a moment, uh, we'll stand and sing together when directed. And then as we're dismissed, you can walk right by the cross. And there's a place to drop your card uh, in as a way of saying I'm in it for good as well. Okay? So for now, let's remain seated and use some time to worship together as we sing. <laughs>